I stepped off the airplane last night and I felt like I was home. So that's kind of weird because my family's in Iowa right now. So, but uh, you know what? Just the 13 months that my family spent here in the Valley and I won't tell you all that story because we don't have time for that today. I will tell you this. It was 13 months that we needed and I didn't even know we needed. But how many know, aren't you glad that God knows what we need when we need it? It was after 20 some years of ministry uh, God took us away from Iowa just to be away so that he could restore our soul. And Hope Church was a place that God did an incredible work in our life. And then he sent us back to Iowa. <laughs> and we did not expect that, but we were just excited about what God is doing. He continues to work out his plan and his vision for our lives. And I just bring you greetings from my family. Uh, Tracy and the kids, boy, they wish they could be here, and I wish they were here with me. But quite frankly, it cost a lot of money to come from Iowa to Montana, and we have a family of nine, so that just wasn't happening this time. But I will be glad to take as many hugs as you want to give me and pass them along to my wife and kids, so that would be great. It is good to be here today. I love this church. I love your pastor and his wife and this just everybody here this place is the real deal how many know that's true come on how many know that jesus is welcome in this place this is a great church i uh i know enough that when you preach two services the second service never looks like the first service look it always goes a little bit differently like i'm sitting down here and i'm thinking to myself do you know what month this is i didn't even tell the first crowd this is but but this is pastor appreciation month and what you may or may not know is that after 20 some years of ministry where you're leading the church being a part of a church being a part of the congregation this was the first church that i really felt like i got to be that person in all my marriage years, you know, with my wife. This was the first time we got to just be a part of a church and sit under a pastor and his teaching. So I told Pastor Lance when I left and went back to Iowa, I said, I feel like I'm leaving my home church. My home church is in Kalispell. So you have a missionary that y'all sent to Iowa to do God's work from this church. But this man has been a pastor to me. I love him in MT. Will you grab my bag? Because I did, the Lord just reminded me of this when, uh, when, I, when I was sitting down there. Yeah, man, you, you're good. I, uh, I want to give you all, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. You need to appreciate these people. They do a lot more than you ever see. They carry a lot of burdens that you don't even know they carry for this house. They love you all more than you know. And I'm going to give you a little secret. If you want to bless the man of God, you bless the woman of God. That's the truth. When I was a pastor, somebody would be like, man, well, how do you, what do you do for, the, for me? How, how can we bless you, pastor? Bless my family. Bless my wife. So I don't have much for you, Miss MT, today. But a little token from Iowa. Here, I want you to open it up, you know, just so you can see what it is. I have one from Montana. Every time I drink out of my Montana mug, I think of you all. I really do. So she's got herself a little Iowa mug. And... Uh, you may get to borrow it every now and then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you're so welcome. We love you. Hey, I, I want you to know this isn't about me today. I could stand up here and talk a lot about me and my family and our move and what God is doing in our life, but I can't do that today because God has bigger plans. He wants to do something that's about him today. So I'm going to stop talking about me for just a moment. We're going to pray and we are going to dive in because I'm here to tell you before we do dive in, I want us to pray because at the end of service, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. And I'll just tell you right up, this is your day. This is your moment. You are here in this place because the Holy Spirit of God is here and wants to do something in your life. I'm just setting the stage. You don't believe me? You might as well leave now. Please don't. But you, you could. Because it's absolutely true. You are sitting right there in your seat today because God has a word for you. So Heavenly Father, oh, I thank you for your sweet presence that is in this place today. The power of your spirit, we felt it already. But God, you see each individual you notice each person. You love everyone in this place. 
You know what we've walked in here with. You know what we're carrying. You know what nobody else knows about us. And you look upon us with mercy and compassion and love. So right now, I just say thank you for being that kind of Jesus. Spirit of God, we give you the room today. We're not going to create a space for you at the end of the service. This is your space every bit, every minute. You have the room. You do what you want to do. Mess up this message if you need to that I've put together. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. But Lord, I pray that lives be forever changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in July 24th of this year, my wife and I had, had an unexpected day. And when I say unexpected day, it just meant it did not go like I thought it would go. How many have ever had a day like that? We were wrapping up a convention we were at in Atlanta. We didn't fly out till early that evening, so we had a lot of time to kill. I had a big plan on how we were going to kill that time. This is what I expected we would do. We would walk outside that hotel, and we would just, after we checked our bags with the concierge because we didn't fly out till later, we would, we would walk outside, and we would just go explore the city. No big plan, no tickets for anything, no museums to go see. We would just go find fun. We would just go as a couple, find some fun, but I had a way that we were going to do it. We were going to find our fun on some scooters because that looked fun to me. How many ever been to those cities where they got the scooters that you can just scoot around? And I'm not talking about like my kids have, those little Razor scooters with the plastic wheels, the ones that you have to like, you know? No, 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 no. All you got to do is get up on that, let the electric take hold. You got, it's got like rubber tires with air. I mean, this is like big boy scooters that holds men like me, you know. I watch these people in Atlanta like cruising around on that. And I'm not kidding you. I'm at this convention and the only thing I could think about is I want to ride one of those before I leave town. I want to do that. So my wife's like, okay, we can do that. So that was our big plan for the day. That's what we expected to happen. We set out. We went looking for scooters. It took us a while to find some. Finally found the scooters and you know what? You have to, like, scan a QR code to get a scooter. And you have to, like, use an app. And, and you got to hope that your phone's got to, if you don't have this already pre-downloaded, that you're going to get a good enough signal to make it work. I'm making excuses because I couldn't figure it out. My kids would just tell you it was me. You know, that I just don't, I'm not good with that stuff. My poor wife, she's waiting for me to get these scooters unlocked and to pay for them so we can drive them and use them. And I'm like, I'm getting it, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it. You know it's bad when she sits down on the curb. She's like, whatever, whenever, we'll see, right? Well, it didn't work. I'm like, I don't know. There's something wrong with these stupid scooters. We need to go find other scooters. So we went and we were walking to try to find other scooters, and we weren't finding the other scooters. Like, I knew there were, like, we found the black ones. I knew there were green ones. I'm looking for a green scooter. Could not find the stupid green scooters. By this point, there's a, we found out that there's a reason why they call that city Hotlanta, because it's sunny and it's hot. And we've been walking around now for a long time trying to, you know, have my big plan and have my day that I expected to be so awesome cruising around on scooters. It wasn't happening. We are hot, we are tired, and we are hungry. Hot, tired, hungry equals hangry. How many know what I'm talking about? Now I've got a hot, tired, hungry, hangry wife. And my plan didn't work. So we're wandering around, and that didn't go so well. And we come up with a plan B. Anybody ever have to come up with plan B? Plan B is we're going to go back to that hotel where we were staying because they had a big old food court. We're going to just find ourselves some food, find a nice booth, and we are just going to chill till it's time to go to the airport. That's our plan B. We're walking back to the hotel, and all of a sudden I hear a commotion, and there's, there's somebody crying out in the crowd, and there's people that just are are walking by not paying much attention you know some people are giving looks other people aren't even giving looks they're just trying to not look you know what I'm talking about I don't see you man screaming out at my t you know anybody ever been there where you just you just act like I didn't see you you know you know what it's like people begging at the corner you drive up in your car and all of a sudden oh isn't that a nice bird flying by over there you know because I don't want to look at you and not give you money you know well that's what people were doing and and as we got closer this guy calls out to us, and it was very specific. There's nobody else around. It's me and Tracy. He's like, hey, you, would you help me? Well, we looked 
over and we realized that this man was in this wheelchair and he wasn't just homeless, but he was also blind. So he couldn't see us. And I'm just so amazed at how people's senses are so sharp when they don't have one sense that you could actually hear me approaching on the sidewalk, notice that I'm close, and then call out and say, would you help me? And so my wife and I looked at this man and we said, well, what, can, what, what do you want? What can we do for you? I thought he was going to ask for money. I thought he was going to ask for food. I thought something like that. He said, would you push me over to a shady spot? Poor guy was sitting out in the sun. He's sitting out in the sun with these open wounds and infections and stuff going on his leg and the sun beating out. And all he wanted was somebody to push him up under a tree. We said, absolutely, we'll push you up under that tree. And we pushed him up under the tree. And apparently we had no other plans that day because things were not going like I expected. And it just didn't seem right to just leave him at that moment. And so we, uh, we just sat down and we introduced ourselves. And he told us his name was Willie. And we got to hear Willie's story that day. And we hear about his life. And we got to tell him about our crazy big family in Iowa. And we just shared some time with Willie that day. And I thought to myself, I wonder if this guy is hungry. So I didn't just say, hey, are you hungry? Can I get food? Instead, I looked at my wife and I'm like, see, because, you know, he couldn't see us. And so I was just trying to get her to weigh in on this decision. Do we go get Willie some food? What do we do? So I'm like, so she was reading my lips. And in case you couldn't read my lips, I was like, do you think he's hungry? Okay. And that's what I was like lipping to my wife. And she goes, no, look. So she's like lipping back to me. We're having this conversation. Poor guy. I mean, right between us. It seems so rude when I think about it, but that's what we were doing. And uh, she's like, no, look at him. He already ate. Oh, yeah, because he had spaghetti all over his lap and on his legs and up in his shoes, and I don't know how old that was, but then we realized it wasn't very old because the rest of the spaghetti was on the ground by where Willie was. And so I asked him anyways. I said, are you hungry? He said, no, I ate. I said, okay, good call, Trace. <laughs> you know, he obviously ate, but he was a mess. He was a mess, and it's just so disturbing. What do you do? I mean, how do you ignore people? How do you just, I put you up under the tree and see a guy with spaghetti sauce down his leg and open infected wounds that have been sitting out in the sun. How do you just walk away from that? And I thought to myself, if only I had a rag or a washcloth or something to clean him up. And then I looked over in the corner of the sidewalk and wouldn't you know it, there's a yellow washcloth sitting on the sidewalk. And I'm like, okay, God, I think that was like one of those setup things, you know, you just like, bird fly over here you go there's the washcloth you needed so I pick up that washcloth I walked over and I grabbed it and Tracy's looking like what are you doing and it was dirty and stuff and so my wife says to Willie she says are you thirsty because inside the hotel they had like one of those fancy little water things you know that they put all the fruit in so it's like fruit infused so this is like classy water you know and she decides we can get him some water so he says, yeah, I'd love a glass of water. So we went inside the hotel, and she got a glass of water, and I went to the bathroom, and I washed out that rag, and I wrung it out, and I used soap, and I used sanitizer, and I tried to make it really clean. And then I made sure it was soapy and wet enough that I could clean them off, got some paper towels, and we went back out. Tracy gave Willie the water, and I said, Willie, can, can we wash you up? Can we help clean up some of the spaghetti on you? And he was grateful, and he said, yeah, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. And as we were cleaning him up, I said to Willie, I said, Willie, what do you know about Jesus? He said, oh, man, I don't need Jesus. I don't need to know more than, oh, man. I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, man, Jesus isn't what I need. I'm thinking, why are you telling me this, Willie? So I asked him, why do you say that, Willie? He says, I'll tell you what I need. He said, I need somebody to take me over here to catch this bus so I can go to this place where they'll let me wash my change of clothes, my clothes. He had like a pair of clothes in his backpack and he had this, this nasty clothes. He goes, I need someone to get me there so I can wash my clothes. I said, Willie, you're in luck. We're going to get you to that bus stop today. Willie, where is it? Oh, bad. Willie's blind. Hello. Talk about the blind leaving the blind. Leaving the blind. But he'd been there before, so he could, he could name some monuments and some places along the way. And so we just stepped out in faith and said, all right, let's do this thing. So now we're not walking around town, and we're not scooting around town like I thought. Instead, we're pushing a chair around town with this homeless guy. 
It was so funny because we even got up to like a stoplight and we're waiting on the walk sign and he got impatient. He's like, what are we waiting for? Come on, let's go. It's like, dude, chill. We're going to get run over. But we were just pushing Willie around town and we finally got him to that place where he could catch that bus to go get his clothes clean that day. And I said to Willie, I said, Willie, I said, I know you don't think you need Jesus, but I want you to know something. It's precisely because Jesus loves you that he sent a crazy couple from Iowa to Atlanta, Georgia today to connect with you, to tell you about his love, to clean you up, and to get you to the bus stop where you needed to go so you could get your clothes clean. You know why that happened, Willie? Because Jesus loves you. You do need Jesus today. And my wife and I told him about this Savior, and we prayed with him that day, and that was incredible, and that made our trip. That was the best part about my trip. And when I think of Atlanta, I will never forget Willie. A matter of fact, I was sitting down here. I told you no service is the same. I sat down here today, and God told me, he said, you stop at this point in your message, and you tell the crowd that not only did God send a crazy couple from Iowa to Atlanta, but God sent that crazy man to Montana so we could all take a moment and pray for Willie. Let's do it. Jesus, I thank you that where two or three are gathered, you are there and you care. You love Willie today. And whether or not he really sees his need for you or not, God, he has already experienced your love, and I pray that he experience it all the more. And Father God, we all agree that he somehow, some way, whether you send somebody else from somewhere else, he will come to the knowledge of you as his savior. He will acknowledge his need. He will surrender his life and he will truly experience love like he's never experienced before. I pray that over Willie today in Jesus' name. Amen. And when I think about Willie, I think about somebody else in scripture. Mark chapter 10. You can turn there if you want. You can follow along in your devices. But there's a story about another man who is blind, and he is probably going about an average day that did not go like expected. You see, for Tracy and I, that experience in Atlanta, it didn't just not go like we thought it was going to go that day. I can guarantee you, Willie didn't have the day he was expecting either. Same thing with this blind man in the Bible. I think he probably set up like he did every day at his place where he's going to beg, and he was wearing a cloak, and this cloak extends out like a garment where he could collect coins and things, things that are going to help provide for his provision, a way of getting what he needed. At night, that cloak would be something he could wrap around himself to keep warm and, and just bring comfort to him. That was something special for him. So it's probably just a normal day where he comes out, and he, he, he lays his cloak out to collect his coins. He's going but through the routine of the day. He's hearing the same noises he hears every day the same animals, you know, I, I don't know what it might be. I just imagine what it was like for him. And it was just going to be another day of sitting outside begging for help. But the Bible tells us that something happened that day. He heard that Jesus was walking by. We're skipping ahead. I, I just go on to, to the, the, the verse there that talks about Jesus. I'm not going to read it all for you. You can read the story for yourself. But in the interest of time today, it's, it's Mark chapter, search with 46 through 52. And it talks about how he heard that Jesus was coming by that day. And, and something happened with, with Bartimaeus. He cries out in this moment. Something welled up inside of him. And he just thought, I'm going to call out to this Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy. And he says, Jesus, son of David, which really stands out to me because they knew at that time it had been spoken about, it had been prophesied that there would be one that would come from the line of David and that he would be the Messiah. He would be the deliverer that God was sending for his people. And somehow this blind man who couldn't even see what was going on, but only hear that Jesus was passing by, had enough faith to believe that this wasn't just any ordinary man walking by that day. But there was something special about him. He was the son of David that was spoken about. He was the Messiah. Jesus, the Christ, the son of God, is walking by that day, and he calls out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And I read that, and I think, how did he know? How did he know that this was the son of David? How did he know that this Jesus was the Messiah? This is what I think. How many know that things can get around pretty quickly? People be talking. 
there's chatter that happens sometimes. You've got somebody like Jesus with crowds of people following him. You either liked him or you hated him, but one thing you know is you, you probably knew who he was at that time. People were for him, against him. Now, he, wasn't, he was popular, both good and bad, but they were talking. And I think, I believe that Bartimaeus somewhere along the way heard about Jesus. The Bible does tell us in the book of Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes through what? Hearing. I think he heard some things. And what he heard built faith inside of him. What did he hear? I don't know. Maybe he heard that there's this guy going around with these crazy teachings that doesn't seem to make sense to most people. Maybe he heard something like there was this Jesus who said, blessed is the poor person that acknowledges their need for God. Or blessed is the person who's mourning, who's having a really bad day. Because God brings that person comfort. Maybe he heard how Jesus was really stirring up trouble with the religious people and the people that were all about the law. And, and yet this Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to be the fulfillment of the law. Or maybe he heard that Jesus taught things that just go against our human nature, like loving our enemies praying for those people that persecuted you doing to other people that you would have them do unto you what did he hear I think maybe he heard about some of the teachings of Jesus or maybe it was the miracles maybe he heard that there was a man with leprosy one day and when the crowds were going by Jesus touched this man with leprosy and healed him Maybe he heard that, that in the middle of this crowd one time, there was this woman that demons were like taking over her and she was bent over and hutched down and Jesus went by and he touched her and she stood up straight for the first time in 18 years and something incredible happened because Jesus looked upon that woman with compassion and love. You would think that everybody would be rejoicing, right? Everybody wasn't rejoicing. The religious people didn't rejoice at that. They said, why would he do this on the Sabbath? Jesus didn't care because he loved that woman. I wonder if he heard stories like that. I wonder what kind of stories he heard about the miracles and the crowds of people that would follow Jesus and, and bring their sick to him. Did he hear about this thing that happened at Capernaum one day where all these people were meeting in this house to see Jesus and Jesus is there teaching everybody and they're like squeezed in like a bunch of sardines and yet there was a man who wanted to be there with Jesus too and he was paralyzed but he couldn't get in. So he had four crazy awesome friends that said, we are going to scale this thing. We're going to somehow get you up there and then we are going to rip open this roof and we are going to drop you in. That sounds just like a man plan. I love it. I love it. And that's exactly what they did. And Jesus looked upon that situation with compassion and love and mercy. And I bet you, the Bible doesn't read it like this, but I bet you Jesus like hears this and sees this and like, that is so awesome. You guys are the best. And he heals them. Did he hear stories like that? You know, I'm actually going to look at my notes, I think, for a moment. I'm going to pop into here because I wrote some things down. But what was it? I think it was stuff like that that he might have heard about. He might have heard about those testimonies, those miracles. My, 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 teeny, my boys, and well, my two boys, two girls are in high school now, and uh, they got jobs. I'm so proud of them. They went out, applied for a job, and uh, willingly... That's awesome. Come on, how many parents can <laughs> say that's awesome? They know they're going to start paying for some gas and some phone bill. I don't know how willing they are about that, but they're going to do it. We're going to teach them a little bit of responsibility, but I'm not here to teach you on parenting today. I'm just telling you that's a good thing. They got a J-O-B. They're doing their stuff. They're maintaining their grades, and this dad is super proud of them. I mean, they went out, got the interview, got their job right away. Um, three of them work for a place in Iowa called High V. If you ever saw the Kurt Warner movie, that's where he started working, right there in Iowa at High V. How many have seen the Kurt Warner movie? Probably none of you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So, so three, three of my kids work for High V, and the other one's the rebel, and he had to go work at Jimmy John's. Whew. So that's Austin. Austin went to Jimmy John's. He came home the other night after his shift with three loaves of bread. I'm like, this is not a good thing. This is just cannot be good for our family. You getting free Jimmy John bread. 
that, 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 that thought was kind of uh, reaffirmed in my mind when I got up the next morning and I saw my kids, all my kids, they're not having cereal, they're not having eggs, they're not having regular toast, they are having half a loaves of Jimmy John's with butter. And I'm thinking, for breakfast, this is not a good thing. But when I saw them with that Jimmy John's, I'm not kidding you, I thought about Jesus with what he did with a few loaves of bread. And how he even loved people enough and had just that kind of love that just said, you're hungry? I'm going to feed you. When, when everybody's like, oh, the disciples, send this crowd away. There's over 5,000 people. Send them away because they're hungry. Jesus said, no, go find them something to eat. And he takes a few loaves and some fish. And you might know the story. You might not. But he does this incredible miracle and feeds over 5,000 people. Did Bartimaeus hear things like that? I think he did. I don't know what stories he heard, but I think he heard a few stories. And those stories in that hearing, and I hope this happens for you because I just told you some stories about the love and the compassion of Jesus today. And those stories, I believe, did something in his heart. And it created a, a faith inside of him that Jesus was, in fact, the one that they had been waiting for that was going to come and be the Messiah. So on this particular day, when Jesus is coming by, a little spirit of Willie rose up in him, but Bartimaeus was first, so I guess it's flip-flop. But something inside him where he, he just felt like he had to call out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know what I think he saw in that moment? I think he saw his moment. I think he saw his chance. I think he thought, thought, man, if Jesus did it for her, if Jesus did it for him, if Jesus did it for all these other sick people that would come to him, if Jesus touched that, that, that man that was paralyzed, if Jesus cared about the deaf and the mute, maybe he even cares about the blind. Maybe today is the day that I'm going to see. He wasn't about to miss his moment. He says, Jesus, have mercy on me. And he cries out to Jesus. He shouts out to Jesus because he wasn't going to miss his moment. Have you ever missed your moment? I've missed my moment. I've missed my opportunities. A couple weeks ago, because I had those teenagers that are now working and driving, my wife and I decided we need to find another vehicle. So we started looking for a vehicle. We ended up buying a Honda Accord, and I like this Honda Accord. It's nice and all, but it wasn't my first choice. Because before I bought the Honda, I saw a Toyota Camry. And that Toyota was nice. Oh, it rode so nice. Everything was good. It had low miles on it. Beautiful leather interior. You know, that fake wood inside <laughs> that they put in cars. I just, I just, it was a beautiful car. But it had scratches on the door. So I, being the expert negotiator, thought, well, I'm going to knock him down in his price because I'm going to have to get some body work done to this car, blah, blah, blah. Didn't work. He was a better negotiator than me. I decided, you know what, I want that car. I talked to my wife about the car. I said, he's asking a fair price. It's worth it with the scratches. I'll get them fixed. You know, we'll get the car. I call him up. He said, I already sold the car. No kidding, because it was a great deal. I should have taken that deal. I missed my moment of opportunity. Even though I'm driving around this Honda, can I tell you something? I still find myself going, man, I wish I would have bought that Toyota. I regret missing my moment. But folks, I'm here to tell you that today is a moment for you that is much bigger than a vehicle. Today is in a moment for you that you have the opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ because he's here today. Don't miss your moment and then leave this place with any regret. I'm going to be honest, it's going to happen for some of us. I don't want to say that. But I think somebody's going to be driving home today and maybe experience a little regret, and I don't want that to be you. Because you're going to have a moment where you can encounter this Jesus that loves and cares about you, and you miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. So I want to talk about today, in the moments we have left in this room, the three characters. You see, there is Bartimaeus, there's the crowd, and there was Jesus and I want to talk to you for a moment about the crowd. Do you see Jesus calls, or Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus in complete faith? 
believing that Jesus can touch him and he wasn't going to miss his moment. He was determined to get Jesus' attention. But then there was the crowd. And the crowd looked at him and they rebuked him and they told him, be quiet. Be quiet. Why would they do that? Probably for the same reason that people walked by Willie that day. Willie probably made him a little uncomfortable. Willie didn't fit into their normal, expected, this is how I'm going to spend my day with a guy who doesn't smell very good, look very good, and, and seems to have some issues. Bartimaeus was a guy kind of like that probably for some people. They didn't want to be bothered. They didn't care about him the way that Jesus looked upon him and cared about him. Their response to this guy calling out was, be quiet. That's the response of the crowd there that day. Hear me today. Those were the crowd following Jesus. All across this country today, this nation, like Pastor Lance talked about, right now in this moment, there are people meeting that are followers of Jesus, following and coming in by the crowds. We have a crowd in this room today. They're coming after Jesus. Here's my question for us today. What kind of crowd will we be? Hope Church, you need to hear me today. Not because of me. You need to hear God today. You need to hear your Heavenly Father's heart. He has a heart for the broken. He has the heart for those that need him. He has the heart for those that are sick in body and spirit and soul and mind. There are people that need a touch from him, and that's the Father's heart. Jesus wants to touch those people today. What kind of crowd will we be when somebody walks up in this place? And they don't look just right. They don't act just right. They sit next to you and they don't just smell just right. They don't know when to stand. They don't know when to sit. They don't know when to shout. They don't know when to dance. They don't know how to look the part. They don't, just don't know. They're not like us. They make us uncomfortable. Or God forbid, they cry out, Jesus! In the middle of our service, in a moment where it just doesn't seem right. But my concern for our church in America today is that we think following Jesus means showing up at a building where we get some coffee, we have some conversations, we meet with our friends, we sing some incredible songs, we feel something so special. But I want to tell you something that's all good. But Jesus is looking for those that will cry out to him in their need. That will acknowledge him and say, Jesus, you are what I need. And will we be the crowd that embraces those people? Will this be a church that doesn't silence the shouts? It's not about the cool lights the funky Holy Ghost smoke or whether or not the coffee is strong enough which it never is for me it's not about any of that it's not about the check-in system we have for your kids it's not about that it's not about whether you like river rock or tile or carpet it's not about that it's about the fact that Jesus is here. That's what it needs to be all about. And there's been a stirring in my heart about this. And I'll, I'm just going to be straight with you. Oh, sometimes, Pastor, I wish we didn't record things, but maybe it's, maybe it's good because maybe people need to hear it. I might just offend a few people here. Not here, but online. I love you but the truth will set you free, so just listen up. <laughs> My wife and I, we go looking for a church like the rest of you. I'm over. We're so, it's so hard to find a church. You know why? Because we want to go to a church like this church where people just come in and they can scream out Jesus, where they can shout, where they can experience Christ, where their hunger is greater than their program. Where they're 
He's saying, Lord, I need to be refreshed with your living water. I need you to do something to my spirit that nobody else can do. I really don't care about your groups, your parties, your donuts afterwards. I don't care about that. What I care is I need a touch from Jesus. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. My wife and I have these people ask us, will you pastor again? I've had people ask me to come pastor their church. I don't feel like that's what God's calling us to do, but I can tell you if I was a pastor again, the church I pastor now is going to look very different than the church I pastored before. And I don't know if it will be big, small, or whatever, but what I can tell you is this, it will be full of people that are hungry for Jesus. That's the kind of place I want to be a part of. Oh, God sent somebody from Iowa to tell you that's the kind of church he wants this place to be. Now, hear me. I'm all about the good coffee. Have some good coffee. And I don't think there's wrong with a Krispy Kreme every now and then. But it's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's not about our comfort. It's not about whether or not somebody's like, oh, well, why are they shouting out? Why? Because they're hungry and they have a need. Okay. So Hope Church, I want to say this to you today. I believe this is a word from God. Don't be a church that silences the shouts. Let us not silence the shout, but let us be a church that just lets it out. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. Shout, shout, let it all out. That's what goes on in my head. Just let it out, man. I'll tell you, one of the reasons why I love this church was because when I came here, I was a nobody. I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't anything. Can I tell you something? Even as a pastor, this is just a true confession. I thought I was free. I thought I was authentic. I thought I was very real. But I didn't realize how much I held back because I was worried about what people think and looking at me. I really thought I was genuinely authentic until I realized how much more God had for me. Until I stood down the street in the Flathead River and Jesus got a hold of me and said, you know what, Jeff, this is what it's about. It's not about you you being anything for anybody else. It's not about a title. It's about, about what your church looks like. Not about, it's about you being my son and being here in this moment with me. And then I would come to Hope Church and I would sit right over here in the front row. Nobody knew who I was. Oh, I love that. It was that season. Then you all figured out who I was. But, but before that, I loved that season because I could just be me and I could be free. And if I felt like crying and weeping and calling out to Jesus, I didn't care what anybody thought because it didn't matter. And when I felt like dancing and shouting, I could dance and shout. And all of a sudden I realized there was something in me crying out because of the goodness of my God that I didn't even know that I needed to let out. And then I let it out in this place. This is a place where people are going to come and let it out. And I believe this. Hear me today. I'm going to speak a word for this house today. This will be a place where the broken find Jesus. Because they're going to hear stories of what Jesus did. They're going to hear stories about how, like, like things like when my family was here and we prayed for my son Austin up here. My son Austin has a major heart condition and kidney issues and narrowing of the veins. His, his numbers are ridiculous. His, high, his blood pressure, the top number of a six-year-old boy, was always running in the 170s, 180 mark. We've been praying and praying and praying. We were so glad God sent us to Montana because then we discovered these doctors in Seattle that we may not have. We figured some things out with him. He was gonna, they were talking about having this major bypass surgery and the odds of his surviving are not great. And so we held off and we held off and we prayed and we prayed and we seek God. Can I tell you something? <laughs> 170. 180 is top blood pressure number. That was what really concerned him because at any moment he could have a heart attack or a stroke. He, he had to cut back. He, he had to quit wrestling, doing his activities. My son, because of the power of our God, his top number right now averages 118. 118. He's getting involved in sports again. I believe he's going to wrestle again. I believe he's going to do the things he loves you to. Why? Because Jesus sees that. And Hope Church is a church that takes time to pray over those needs. 
to pray for the sick, to pray for the hurting, to pray for the one whose heart is broken. I saw that today a couple times before church, before the service even began. I experienced two different encounters where somebody with a broken heart was getting prayed over by some other people in this church. See, God began a good work in this church. He's doing a good work, but he is not done yet. Let's not silence the shouts. And let's not make those people have to cry out. But here's a thought. What if we would notice? What if we wouldn't be so consumed in our own lives, in our own journey, in our own needs, but we would actually notice the person with the need. And instead of waiting for Jesus to say, call them, bring them to me, we just bring them to Jesus. I love my wife to death. She is probably one of the, she probably the most compassionate person I know. She has a heart everywhere we go. She sees things I don't see. She notices needs of people that I don't notice. And we're involved in a church now. And it's so funny. Just like when we were at Hope, up here on this side, that's kind of our spot we gravitate to in the front. And we're pretty much up there by ourselves. Except we're not alone anymore. Because my wife sees the divorced woman and the widow in the crowd. And she says, hey, why don't you come sit by me? She sees the broken that is crying out for Jesus but feels like the church has rejected her. And she said, hey, there's a spot up front by me. And Sunday after Sunday, I'm starting to watch our, our row get filled up and it's not my kids. Because she looks around and looks for the broken and the hurting. She says, I want to leak Jesus. That's the woman I married. She does that. I love that about her. But that's the heart of Jesus for his church. Hope. What if you came to church and you noticed the man with the boot on his leg and you said, I'm not just going to walk by that today, but I'm going to pray over the man with the boot on his leg. What if you notice the person sitting in the crowd who is obviously by themselves and hurting? And you say, I don't know what you need, but I know what Jesus does. Let me bring you to Jesus today. Let's be those people that bring them to Jesus. And I want to talk to the Bartimaeus in this room. Who's the Bartimaeus? It's the person that has a need. If you're in this room today and you have a need for Jesus, let your cry out. Let it out. Shout it out. Don't let anybody stop you. Bartimaeus, they tried to stop him. And the Bible tells us that Bartimaeus just shouted louder. Nobody was going to stop him from his miracle moment. You can't stop me. I'm coming. I'm coming for it. I'm getting Jesus' attention. I don't care what it takes. I can't see him, but I got a voice and I'm going to use it. And he cries out to Jesus in his miracle moment. So be that person that can cry out and then cast your comforts aside and come after Jesus. You see, Bartimaeus, he had to throw aside, well, he threw aside. He didn't have to, but he chose to throw aside that thing that he used to collect money to cover up at night. To me, that represents everything he was counting on. It represents a picture of who he was and his identity. It represents something that brought him comfort, and he was willing to cast that aside to run after Jesus that day, to, to come to Jesus, to get Jesus' attention. We need to do that. Just cast those things aside. And then tell Jesus what you need. Tell him exactly what you need. Tell him what you need. Sometimes people come forward for prayer and say, hey, what do you need? And uh, I don't know. I just, I just need prayer. I'm going to ask you again. What do you need? What do you need Jesus to do for you today? Say, well, I don't know. 
let me ask you a different way. If you did know what you need, what would you say? Tell Jesus what you need. He loves you. Just like he loved those people in the Bible. Just like he loved and saw Bartimaeus and cared for him. How did Jesus respond? He responded differently than the crowd to Bartimaeus. He said, stop. I'm calling him. Go get him. Come. And then the Bible tells us in verse 50. Oh, gosh. Put it up there, will you? <laughs> I'm all over the place. I know. What do you want from me? Verse 51. He says, what do you want from me? Jesus asked. And the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus says, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his, fight, his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Can I tell you something? Tell Jesus what you need so that you can receive his mercy today and then choose to follow after him. Choose to give him your life and follow him. Folks, I once was blind, not physically blind, but I can tell you today I see. I see things so differently. Do you know why? Because Jesus took the time out to see me. by me and I cried out to him he's always met me at my point of need he'll do that for you I'm serious call out to him if you're watching online in your living room in your kitchen or on your phone in your bathroom I don't care cry out to him for real you guys have no idea how many times this guy has been just alone and was like Jesus Somebody needs to hear this today. You can cry out in your anger to Jesus and he can take it. He can take it. I have more than once been in my car by myself so freaking mad. And all I could do was beat on my steering wheel and say, Jesus! But I can tell you something. He shows up in my car. He'll show up for you. He's here for you today. So Hope Church, do you believe he's here? Do you believe he's here? Do you believe his presence is in this place today? Then let's be a people that shout out and let's never be a church that silences a shout and let's come to Jesus and let's bring them to people to Jesus and let's receive from him what he has for our lives today because he's a good, good father. He loves you. He cares for you. He's ready to show you mercy at your point of need today. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, oh, thank you for our time. Thank you for showing up. Thank you, Lord, that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Thank you, Jesus, that when we seek you, we find you. When we seek you with all of our heart. Thank you that we can cry out to you and receive from you today. If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, by now you know you need to. You see, I have no doubt in my mind that you are here today and the Spirit of God is in this room and He's been drawing you all service and you've experienced the worship. You've heard the message of God today and there's something inside of you that you may not get, but something inside of you is going, I, I'm, I'm believing now. I believe that Jesus is the one I need. In your heart, it's crying out for a relationship with him to know this Jesus I'm talking about. He died for you. He loves you. Listen to me. There was a crowd of people one day that was ready to stone a woman that was caught in sin. And Jesus looked at, at that crowd and he said, listen, you who have the first stone or who haven't sinned, you throw the first stone. The person in this room who's never sinned, you throw the first stone. And everybody left. Why? Because everybody in that place was a sinner. And Jesus looked on that sinner with love and compassion. She committed adultery. But Jesus just saw a person that needed him. 
needed forgiveness, needed somebody to love her and show her a better way. So he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Maybe you're in this place today and you feel far from Jesus. You don't feel like you can come to Jesus because of where you're at in your life. I want to tell you that is a lie from hell. He's calling you today. He's stopping right now in this moment and calling you, come, come to me. The Bible says that if we would just admit we're sinners and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Savior that rose from the dead, we will be saved. I'm encouraging you to go from just hearing the word today but to receiving it in faith and believing and calling out to Jesus for your salvation. If you need Jesus in your life, if you want a relationship with him, if you want to know him as your Lord and Savior today, and you feel him talking to you and saying, yeah, today is my day to meet Jesus. I just want to see your hand. Just throw it up so I know who you are so I can pray for you. Let me see those hands. Come on. If you need Jesus... I want to pray for everybody in this room. Could we all just pray a prayer like this? Would you repeat after me? Jesus, today I give you my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Come into my life. I receive you today. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to choose to follow you. And if you're a Bartimaeus in this room today and you have a need for Jesus, and I believe that there's a lot of us in this room, maybe you need him to touch you physically today. Boy, I tell you what, I'm, I can tell you, I've, I know he does miracles. I've seen it time and time again. He can touch you today. Maybe you're a person in this room and you're just hanging on by a thread in your marriage today. Jesus restores broken marriages. And he wants to start with you. He wants to do a work in you. Maybe you have a wounded and broken heart. You're in the right place. Because I believe Hope Church is a place that's going to be the hospital for the broken. See, I believe people will come into this place kind of like you see on TV who are shouting in the ER, I need a doctor. And they're going to come into this place shouting out from their hearts knowing they have a need and they're going to find a doctor. His name is Jesus and he's going to touch them. He's going to restore their soul. Today is your day. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Stand to your feet today and let's all just cry out to Jesus together. Come on, let's do it.